0: TheWellnessCoach.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to the Primal Alternative Podcast, featuring actionable tips from real people with real stories about real food. This show is presented by Primal Health Coach Helen Marshall, who empowers other paleo-loving, Thermomix-owning mums to start a sustainable, faff-free business of their own with the Primalista License. The Primalista License brings Primal Alternatives to the foods we love to our communities making primal living more doable with less falling off the wagon. The Primalista license is available at www.primalalternative.com. And now, introducing your host, Helen Marshall. So, you know life is really exciting when PAP61 has got an intro to the intro. Dun, dun, dun what exciting news has H possibly got for me? Well, I have just listened to my intro and podcast with the amazing Rachel, just to make sure it all sounds good for air, which is tomorrow. And it so does. But guess what? I really wanted to make sure that you knew that I am going on tour. I am leaving my little Recl- recluse, my <laughs> little retreat in uh, Albany, which is on the south coast of WA. And I am getting in a car, driving six hours to the airport, Word. and flying over to Sydney next Sunday, where I am going to host. Oh, my daughter's here and she just said she enjoyed the toasty I just made her. Thank you, Millie. I'm glad you liked it. Do you want to say anything? No. Just grab your apple and beat it then. You want to say something? And say hello to all the listeners on the Primal Alternative podcast. Don't be shy. Mm. (laughs) Apple. Apple. (laughs) This is how it is. This is it, everyone. Working from home, melding passion with family, (laughs) and uh, trying to get some work done in the school holidays. Word. Okay, so what's happened is. I was doing a tour with Megan Ellum, fabulous woman of Mad Creations. She's like Australia's second ranked um, uh, blogger in terms of hits that she gets on a website. Like she's huge. And we were going to tour together doing a tour called Real Food Real Fast. And we were going from Sydney up to the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. But it turns out that not many people wanted to buy tickets to come to the live events, which is totally cool because I'm, I'm the same as you. Getting my ass out of the house to a live event is hard work, right? So I am still coming because um, I'm coming anyway. I'm going, I've been asked to speak to Cindy O'Meara's functional nutrition grads at the nutrition summit which is on the Sunshine Coast on the 27th and 28th of July. Are you going? Because we can meet up. I've got ministers there hosting a stall at the Nutrition Summit on the Saturday and Sunday, and I'll be talking to the grads on the Friday about just basically following your dreams and getting on with it and creating a business that serves you because that's what I'm all about. But the Listers, they're so amazing. They have opened up their homes and said, still come on, Tour H. Let's have some in-person, in-house demos from New South Wales up to Queensland. Now, we did this last year, and these events are so freaking cool. And it's, to me, so much more authentic and more me and my unique expression than just standing up and talking about real food real fast, because I think you already know it, right, to be honest. But what I want to do is invite you into the host Primalista's home, where they're going to prepare a beautiful morning or afternoon tea of the Primal Alternative range. You'll get to try most of the products, if not all. I'll demonstrate for you how to make one of our products, and I'll tell you a little bit about my background, the Primal Alternative story, and the Primalista license and um, what that opportunity looks like for you so that you can then get a feel for our community, our network of it's about the sisterhood, essentially. Like if they're amazing women, you're gonna love them. And um I did this last year. We I went to uh Primalista Kyra's house in Canberra, and we had about eleven people come to that event in her lounge room. She transformed it into like a, an event. She was amazing. I love Kyra so much. She was my she's in her third year, nearly in her fourth, her three and a half years in, and she's helping me actually get these events. Pulled together because I'm not much of a details person, and she is. Details are her thing. I'm so grateful. And um, we went around the room at the in house demo in Canberra, and I just said, You know, tell me a little bit about your wellness journey. Why are here? What's your why? And the stories that those potential prime ministers told me, like it lit the room up. People were close to tears, everyone had goosebumps. Oh, these are women who want to change the world through real food. It was so fun and exciting, seriously. And I think about five people joined from that day. So we got Beck Baxter, Stacey Carpenter, Janine Andrews, Michelle Montgomery. I think there's another one as well. Oh, goodness, I've forgotten if I've forgotten you. But, yeah, what an amazing event. It was so good. We did the same in Primalista Gita's House in Sydney. And I got to meet some of the uh, New South Wales Primalistas and we got some new people join from that event. And also the same in Melbourne at Lister Terry's house in South Caulfield. So much fun. So listen up. Are you in these areas? Are you in Sydney, Newcastle, potentially Byron, not sure about that, Coffs Harbour, or Brisbane, what are you doing from next Sunday onwards? Um, I'd love you to go to primalalternative.com forward slash events, primalalternative.com forward slash events, so you can see exactly where I'm going to be and what times and where um entry is thirty dollars and that covers um your your spot because obviously spots are pretty limited and it also gives you a beautiful primal alternative morning or afternoon tea all costs go to the primalista the host um so yeah so that's how how that works and i'm then going to be in melbourne i must put these dates on the website i'm going to be in melbourne uh for the wellness summit i'm a, a keynote speaker at that event uh, on the 17th and 18th of August. So we'll be in Melbourne for an in-house demo, probably at Terry's house again, good old tags, uh, the week after. And also thinking of jumping across to Tassie and Adelaide in August. So if you're in any of those spots and you want to meet up, I want to meet you, seriously. Come on, I live miles away and I'm going to be in your, ty- in your town, hopefully, if that's where you live. So go to primalalternative.com forward slash events and see if we can meet up soon. Welcome to episode 61. I'm your host and primal health coach, Helen Marshall. You can call me H, please, because I don't don't really like being called Helen anymore. Even my dad calls me H. So um, that's something, isn't it? Um, So on the show today, I am interviewing Rachel Favilla. I hope that's how you say it. Rachel Favilla. Favala. (laughs) Favala. however she prefers to be called it. But she says I can call her Rach, Richie, or Rachel, whatever best rolls off my tongue, so that's good. So she's written a really cool book called Periods, Pooh, and Glorious You. And um, Rachy is a nutritionist. She's a Hatha yoga teacher and awful, uh, awful, <laughs> awful. I'm keeping that in because that's just hilarious. Author of The Playful Cheeky, and it really is eclectic health and lifestyle book, um, Periods poo, and Glorious You. And her mission is to demonstrate that through being her daggy down to earth self, and she says this, that wellness, and she's using that in sort of air quotes because she thinks that is such an overused word. It doesn't need to be stereotypical or obligatory, and that in fact, optimizing happiness by nourishing all corners of your life is fun. And you know, it's as um, it's all about preventing disease by having enough self-respect to care for your mind, blowingly loyal body. How 'cals that? And she, so she's a food nerd. She's a yoga addict, and she proves by example that nourishing one's self is wildly entertaining and ridiculously gratifying. And I really, I really like this kind of vibe on the show because, um, quite a few people have said to me lately that they like my approach because I'm not dogmatic. I don't take two things, things too seriously, you know, and I, I actually used to think that that was a fault, you know, that I'm not taking it too seriously. And, um, Oh, I'm the grain free woman, but I just had rice for dinner last night. You know, it's like, oh no, I'm a walking contradiction. What's everyone going to think of me? Blah, blah, blah. But actually, what I've realized, and it's a trait that I see time and time again, and I said this in the other interview the other day, um, the other week for you, uh, that what I see with people that I interview on the show and industry leaders that I now hang out with, they have got this fun, non dogmatic, Approach as well and that's why they can do it for such a long period of time without falling off the wagon whichever wagon that is you know because they're just taking things they're not taking things too seriously they're just finding fun with their life and just yeah not being so black and white and stressed about the whole thing like surely that's not gonna work in the long term is it <sighs> So yes, so you're going to love Rachel. She has got such a cool vibe. It's all about marrying health and humor. So we're going to find out what incredible um, smoothie she concocted for breakfast. I think she's got like 20 plus 20 ingredients in it. Um, We're going to talk about her personal story, which is full on, very, very, um, very confronting in terms of what she had to go through and how we're going to to explore how disordered eating, we've all been taught disordered eating because we've all been brought up on conventional wisdom, which I love, and just really taking things away from stress and fear to being lighthearted and finding joy on your wellness journey, for want of a better word, because she doesn't like that word, but you know what I mean. So we will be getting into it all. You can buy a copy of Rachel's book, periods poo and glorious you on the primal alternative online shop it retails for $32.95 and i haven't yet got my hands on a copy it's coming i'll have it by the time this episode goes up but um uh, but it just sounds amazing because it's all told in cartoons in anecdotal stories and jokes which is just so different to the the pictures that you know like the wellness books we've had over the last you know 15, 20 years where it's people looking gorgeous and surprised and all sorts of different pictures. Ah, fancy you just walking on me now, fully made up, looking amazing with the sun at the perfect angle, you know, and mixers just sort of look at it and you go, well, that's all right for her, you know. She looks like that, but it's not going to work for me. You know that feeling? Yeah, so I like this because it's just a totally, like, refreshing, different approach. And Rachel's young. She's only 22. And um, you know, and I'm 44 this year. Well, I will be by the time this episode's out. So she's half my age, right? Which is kind of scary, but also really reassuring that this is the new generation. This is their approach to it all. They're making it more fun and doable and saving the planet essentially by reclaiming our health and raising and reconnecting back to a higher consciousness, which is... Oh, juice bump worthy, isn't it? Now, in case you didn't know, I am also a founder of the Grain-Free Food Range Primal Alternative. And we talk a little bit about Primal Alternative in this episode, when, you know, Rachel talks about, you know, you having to ditch bread because, you know, you're not, you can't eat the wheat. And I really believe that we need bread. We need pizza night. We need cookies. We need some jellies. We need pastry because, that's what we've grown upon, and those foods are quick and easy and convenient, and my food range, primal alternative, creates all of those delicious foods, but instead of them being made with, you know, crappy uh, wheat flour, canola oil, and God knows whatever else is in them, have you looked, like at the puff pastry in the supermarket and the ingredients, what's in it? It's mind-blowing. I don't even know what half of those things are. It's certainly not the way that my grandma used to make pastry. And our pastry now, when we when we <laughs> our products in general, when the our environmental health officers review our ingredients, they say, Oh, okay, so you're making bread from home. But you're making it with hemp seeds and coconut oil and zucchini. What are you doing? So it is different ingredients, but it's ingredients that you'll recognise. And they're all whole food alternatives to the food that's basically screwed us up and made us not feel so great. So you can still have avocado on toast. You can still have a pizza night without feeling like crap and going back to square one. So come and check out our full range. We also do a bread with Pete Evans. We have his lunchbox-friendly no-nut hemp bread. I'm so proud to collaborate with Pete Evans. Incredible. And we also collaborate with Joe Witten and Fouad Kassab from Quirky Cooking. Uh, and we bring you their grain-free pastry and their macadamia and currant shortbread, which is just oh, so hard to stop eating because it's so yummy. Um, so there's something for everyone really in our range, whether you're vegan, like Rachel is, or, or not even vegan, but just you know dairy-free and egg-free. Uh, we've got our fructose and turmeric and hemp seed bread, pastries, and triple choc keto cookies, which fall into the uh, dairy-free, egg-free category. Um, we've got the no-nut hemp bread, which is nut-free, which I find is so much easier to digest than than a nut bread. Um, we've even got things that kids like. I know, right? So I find that the most popular kid-friendly uh, products to be the uh, choc chip cookies and also the normal pizza bases. So we do a fat and seedy pizza base as well, which is a low carb alternative to the normal one. Um and that's it's kind of like comparing a white pizza base and a wholemeal pizza base. So the fat and seedy looks more wholemeal, whereas the other ones like proper beige food, you know, so kids just think it's great. And once you put, you know, cheese and tomato and whatever they have on top of their pizza, it is they're so delicious and so nourishing and filling full of good fats from free range eggs and almond meal and coconut oil and just yummy stuff like that. So please come and check out the whole range. Primalalternative.com is my website. Now, my products are not made in a factory They are homemade with love by a woman in your community called a Primalista. So that's the name of the Primal Alternative Producers. And effectively, they are franchisees. So I replicated my successful baking business so that we could get the products to more people because, you know, I'm only one woman. And also so these women who had been on their own health journey and same as Rachel and I wanted to reach out and help others, but didn't want to become a nutritionist or write a book or become a naturopath or launch a food range. You know, they just can buy this business, which is five grand. So it's a $5,000 franchise, which is super low entry cost. And chances are, even if you end up hating it, it doesn't work out. Like worst case scenario, five grand isn't going to break the bank, right? Or render you homeless, I wouldn't imagine. Um, Yeah, so they can just get the recipes and resources, get their council approved um, kitchen going get their appropriate insurance of which there's help for all of that in the recipes and resources. And then they can just start at the farmer's markets. They can start serving health food shops and even just their direct network of friends, family, school networks, sporting networks, work, 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 what? Work networks. Um, work, 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 work. Uh, you know, there's there's just a really... Such massive potential for distribution of the primal alternative products. Now, since I launched the franchise uh, back in Boxing Day 2016, 93, and I'm recording this in May, right? 93 women have joined up, and I'm so close to 100 primalistas, and I will be by the time you're listening to this, which is just mind blowing. And I'm just so full of gratitude for these women who have run with my idea and helped me reach people. And the, the reviews and the feedback we get on the products is, oh, it's just amazing. I'm just really full of gratitude to the first 100 Prime listers who trusted me and helped me create this food range. So it's super exciting. We've got a Prime lister in America now uh, and in New Zealand. And hopefully by the time the show goes live, the UK, that seems to be not flowing as quickly as I wanted. I would have thought we would be in the UK by now, but the universe always has my back and I'm trusting that things are working out perfectly as they are for you. Always working out perfectly for you. So may this week of yours, may your day just flow with ease, enjoy and have some fun. I hope there's some fun in that day for you or the week. Um, And if it hasn't been so much fun so far, well, hopefully this podcast is a good start for you. Uh, Let's jump into the interview with Rachel now. All right. Welcome to the show, Rachel. It's so cool to have you here.
1: Thank you, Helen. Thank you for having me. It's a treat to be here.
0: Well, I found you on Instagram and um, was instantly attracted to you because of your brand new book called Periods Poo and Glorious You. And I just thought it was such a hilarious um, kind of bullshit cracking (laughs) uh, title for a book that I was just instantly direct messaged you and said, let's get you on the show and let's find out all about you and your really awesome way of marrying health and humor and just making it all seem less serious and less stressful. So yeah, I just can't wait to dive in all things periods and poo and you. So um, before we do, I need to ask you what you had for breakfast.
1: Okay, how long do you have? Um, no, so if, most mornings I have, and so this morning as well, um, I have. I make a green smoothie and honestly it started off as a base recipe and it's just grown and grown and grown. So there's like about 20 or so ingredients. Um, wow. So I'll see if I can list them all. Most The recipe as it was about a year ago is in my book, but I've added to it since then. But it's got a base of coconut water, organic spinach, um, this morning i put in some cucumber cinnamon vanilla um diatomaceous earth powder which is like just like it gently cleans your insides it kind of binds to toxins and helps draw them out of the body uh cacao i love my cacao um cardamom fennel seeds probiotics fresh ginger oh what else i'm like different greens powders so spirulina um Chlorella, barley grass, aloe vera. Just I've got a I've got a range, and I put a few different ones in, and then I use stevia to sweeten. Um, that could possibly be it for this morning. Oh, that's I forget, incredible! Forget, but basically just a whole lot of like goodness and deliciousness that tastes like a chocolate milkshake. But I was going to ask
0: of- you: is, no, it, is yes. it is it sweet? Because I was thinking, okay, so there's vanilla, cinnamon, cacao. That sounds good. And then you're like a ginger, and I'm like, oh, this is a really interesting combination. So it's sweet. It's like a chocolate sweet. it is
1: cuz i use um i like this morning i used green leaf stevia like the pure just stevia per powdered um and i use about a teaspoon of that plus the sweetness of the coconut water and then mm-hmm. um other times i will use like a monk fruit sweetener same sort of thing. so i don't get the sweetness from fruit in the morning it's more so like the herbal stuff And then, yeah, it's just enough to take the edge off all the like more medicinal ingredients. Um, Yeah. And I think it's an acquired taste. But once you get used to the bitterness, it's more of like a licorice bitterness. It's not like a gross one that lingers. Um, Although I have been told that my health buds, sorry, my taste buds have turned into health buds and I'm not the best judge. So, but I like it. I
0: like it. I think any, any of these things, you know, like, yeah, when you swap them over and then you start, you get used to it. It doesn't take long, like, you know, to get used yeah. to a different taste. And then you just become, because I have my smoothies as well, and you just get, like, I just crave them.
1: Yeah, then that's the thing. It makes me feel so good. Like, yesterday was the first day in probably over a year that I haven't had my green smoothie because I slept in. And then I, yeah, and I was like, I was out of sorts all day. And mm-hmm. I was like, is this I haven't had my smoothie so I don't know but it's it's my little magic in the morning so sounds yeah. great
0: I actually want to try your recipe because I think it's really interesting that you've got diatomaceous earth in there because that's something I've wanted to add in to my life and just cannot find a way to actually take it without feeling disgusting so you just how much would you put in to a smoothie
1: um, I just put a teaspoon in and it doesn't have a taste mm-hmm. um, and because this smoothie so large, like cause it's got ice cubes and um, I use like 500 mils of coconut water. So it makes quite a large volume. It's like, it's like nothing. You would not know it was in there. And it's just like a little gentle detox, but without being super hardcore or having to like, you know, completely overhaul your lifestyle, which I'm kind of all about.
0: Yeah. 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 So if you, would it be okay to just put a teaspoon in every day in your smoothie of diatomaceous earth, or is it just something you kind of cycle in and out of?
1: Um, at the moment, cause I've got, like a big packet that I got at the health food store quite cheap. I've just been doing a teaspoon a day, but honestly on the thing it says you can have one to three teaspoons a day quite in divided doses, apparently quite safely. And um, I I trust Lee from, I get from um, Lee from supercharged food and she's, she's quite savvy and I kind of, I vibe with her. So I'm like, all right. I mean, I haven't done three teaspoons in a day for a while, but I, even when I did, it didn't make me feel sick or anything. So
0: Cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think I'm going to try that. Um, that, that sounds really, really good. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you ended up becoming a nutritionist and, and, and writing your book.
1: Okay. Well, I'll try to give you the, the short version. Um, (laughs) and if you want the long version, you can get my book and read it for yourself. Um, (laughs) so, or I'll guess I'll start when I was about 14. So when I was 14, I wasn't, growing or developing and I had digestive issues and like nothing that really you would necessarily stand out as that abnormal but was just I wasn't thriving basically but Mm -hmm. we were kind of thinking oh mum's a celiac maybe I've got some food allergies or something like that and um, mum was like oh we should probably go to the doctor and I think for ages I I just didn't want to see anyone. I just wanted to be normal. I didn't want there to be anything wrong and I didn't think I was that bad and I was still, you know, able to go to school and play my sport and get good grades and have sleep and so we left it and then it kind of got into the summer holidays and I had a bit more time and I went to the doctor and she, like, and this had been the thing for the past few years was any time I saw a health professional, they were always just like, oh, you're really skinny, maybe if you just ate more, everything would be okay. Maybe it's just a food thing. And so she was just like, you know, eat more bread and have more milk and all that like, general stuff. And this was back in 2010. So very much in the age of those sorts of guidelines. And I went, I'd go back and see her every week. And I'd be like, look, I really appreciate what you're doing, but I'm, I feel like I'm just making myself feel even worse. This isn't, this doesn't seem to be the problem. I don't think it's my weight or it might be, but I think it's something deeper. So she ran, um, she didn 't really know what it could be, so she was really good. She ran a whole lot of tests, um, including a celiac test, and we were thinking yeah, that 's probably what it is and that t- came back negative, um, but my liver function tests were horrendously dangerously bad, like to the point where it was like, how have you been like how are you here? How are you not you know asleep all the time or you 're fainting or like just how are you surviving basically wow. and yeah, that was kind of. I was very taken aback because I mean, if I if I went back in time now, knowing how good you can feel, I'd probably be like, "Holy moly!" I yeah, something was up. But I guess you know, when it's with chronic illness, you just get used to feel it. Can oh, can, can I say um, swear on the show or should I keep it PG? Just-
0: you can. I have got an explicit sign on all of my shows just in case somebody lets like a f bomb slip. Yeah, no, go for it.
1: <laughs> okay, I was gonna say when you feel like when you feel like shit like progressively, you just get used to it. Um, So, and not shit in a good, we love poo because it's a detox. I mean, like the derogatory sense of the term. (laughs) So anyway, um, I went straight into hospital. This was a week called, a week before Christmas in 2010, and had a liver biopsy. So, they took a little sample of my liver tissue to confirm, and I got a diagnosis of chronic active autoimmune inflammatory hepatitis type 1, also just known as autoimmune hepatitis for those that don't have all freaking day to pronounce it. <laughs> and um, so, that was my Christmas present that year. Mm. And um, yeah, I was put on a lot of medication. Um, I've, I come from an open minded family, but we. Weren't all that switched on to natural health at the time. And so, yeah, I was on at one stage, I was taking 27 different tablets a day. And, um, Oof. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't even know. Like, I'm actually glad at the time almost that I didn't realize how bad that was. Well oh, sorry, not bad. If anyone listening is on medication, um, just how much damage that was doing to my system, I should say. And it wasn't really helping me get better because I then eventually had another liver biopsy, and I had not improved. And it was looking more and more like I'd need, need a liver transplant with every passing appointment I had. Um, To the point where sometimes I'd literally go and my gastroenterologist would be on the phone with another practitioner in Melbourne going, oh, like these are her test results. Should we be flying her over for an emergency transplant? Like that was like a recurring thing that would happen. And um, within that time as well, because I mean, I was already quite slim and then with all the medication that I was on, any last bit of gut health that I had going on kind of just went out the window. So I just wasn't absorbing anything and I became really emaciated. And obviously when you feel so uncomfortable and have digestive issues, you do develop, I suppose, by default, some disordered thoughts and emotions towards food. Like I loved cooking and I loved eating, but, you know, I I guess my appetite, it was quite good for how sick I was, but it was a bit erratic and I wasn't quite sure what was, what would nourish me and what wouldn't, or I guess the foods that I'd been taught, were nourishing by mainstream standards didn't seem to agree with me. And I was trying to experiment, but you know, when someone really skinny starts to experiment with food, it's like, Oh, you've got an eating disorder. And I was 14 and I went to an all girls school and I was a type personality. So, you know, the diagnosis wrote itself or so they thought. So I um, ended up also in hospital, hooked up to a feeding tube, told that I had voices in my head that were making me make silly decisions <gasps> and about food and that I couldn't be trusted. And like just treated like a naughty little girl. And this, so this was on top of everything else. And it almost broke me. I'm not going to lie. Um, mm. but at some point I thought, well, there's just got to be something else. I can't keep living my life. I, Cause I had before that I'd kind of got an inkling. I think food is the answer. Mm. I don't quite know what I'm doing yet, but I really crave salmon or I really crave avocado or when I'm when I have these things, I'm okay. I actually feel normal when I, have more of this stuff. So I was starting to go there. But then when that got taken away and I was told, no, you shouldn't be in the kitchen, you shouldn't be making decisions about food. You have to follow this dietitian meal plan and all of this sort of stuff. I knew I was getting worse and my mental health got worse. Whereas Mm -hmm. up until that point, despite everything that was going on, my mental health was still somehow okay. So I knew that there was, I was starting to get, pick up on the fact that there was a link. And so I kind of had to play a game for a little while where I pretended I was going along with things and, you know, Mm. getting better in quotation marks, um, just so so I could actually get some, not control in like a, you know, control freak sort of sense of the word, but just to have that empowerment back. And when I started to change my diet and nothing extreme, I'm not talking about even going gluten-free or dairy-free or I've been, I've, I eventually did some of those things, but I just mean real food, getting rid of packets, getting rid of wheat and switching to spelt bread and just those simple things. All of a sudden, for the first time, my liver function tests started to improve. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was started to get weaned of my medication. And then in and amongst that, I started to get rid of the chemicals and the personal care product. I was using. We reduced the amount of chemicals we were using in cleaning products. I, um, and I suppose you know, I just my lifestyle became happier because I felt better. So I was able to make better decisions for myself, and I suppose just. Oh, this is. I don't know how to say this without sounding super cliched, but getting to know myself better and finding my strength and having more confidence because I felt empowered about what I was doing and I was actually, you know, this condition that i had that i'd been told you'll probably be on medication for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. you know you'll be lucky if you don't need a liver transplant it was getting better and all i'd done was change a few things and i was still eating delicious food i was loving it i was learning heaps and um anyway fast forward and you know it wasn't all sunshine and rainbows there were challenges and then amongst that because there was still that hangover of you know do you have an eating disorder do you not i didn't quite have the gut healing in there so although I went to real food I didn't quite probably have the level of gut healing I needed so things did start to go backwards every now and then particularly during times of stress but for the most part things never got as bad as they had been and so so just
0: sorry just to jump in there Rachel because um you know that when that point in your story when you you were saying that they you know they said you you don't you don't can't make decisions in the kitchen You've got crazy voices mm-hmm. in your head and, and basically, I guess, labeled you as being an anorexic and attached you to a feeding tube and fed you that way. First of all, goodness me, I can't think of anything more disempowering and no wonder your mental health went all over the place because yeah. I would totally have so much compassion for that situation. Holy crap. But when they, said, when they put you on their diets and said, no, no, you, you don't know, what you should be eating were the diets, the conventional wisdom, like you said before, where they said, eat more bread, drink more milk. Was it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it
1: was, it was horrendous. Like it was like, um, you know, and it, I couldn't even go out and do my tennis coaching. Cause at that age, like my biggest love was tennis. I just, that was like the happiest thing in my life. I couldn't even go out without having enough and go plus usually a piece of toast with an egg on it. And Um, you know, and I'd be like, that is a meal. And mum would be like, Rachel, you need this. This is not a meal. This is a snack. Don't be silly. Um, Mm. and I'd be like, they make me feel so sick. And then it would be like. You know, breakfast would have to be, you know, 3 wheat Weet-Bix plus toast, plus milk, plus fruit, plus, you know, and then you'd have your morning tea, you'd have your lunch and you'd have to have your custard cup after lunch and then get to afternoon tea and you're like, I'm going to explode. But then there's another up and go waiting for you. And then there's a massive portion of dinner and the meal plan actually says, don't fill up on vegetables, make sure you have enough starch. And then there's that. And then if you refuse to have supper on top of dessert, you're doing the wrong thing, and those voices in your head are destroying you. And I kid you not, like I wish I was exaggerating, I wish I was like talking oh, out I of anger, it's... but I'm. I, I, this yeah. was the reality, and I just remember going, how I just, like. I remember almost screaming, and so then they think, "Oh, you're crazy." But I was so angry because I'm like, "This is bullshit." Mm. Even if I did. Have anorexia and like compassion to those who have it and and that's it's not a judgment thing, but I didn't quite align with that. I did have some disordered eating patterns that came from just having a liver disease and a digestive tract that didn't cope with food the way it needed to, but I just thought even if I did have it, holy fuck, I'm sorry, like hmm. this would give someone an eating disorder, yeah, this is like. You know, when you overeat on Christmas or Easter or your birthday and you kind of have regrets about it, it was like feeling like that every second of every day. And when you try to explain that, someone tells you that that is in your head and you're being naughty and the reason you have to go through this is because you have done this to yourself. And when you, you try and say, could it possibly be the fact that I have a liver disease? They're like, no, two separate issues. No, it's not.
0: Oh, my goodness. And, you know, like on the disordered eating side of things, like I think at some point, even if we haven't been full-blown anorexic or full-blown bulimic, I think most of us um, in this generation, I know you're a bit younger than me, but in this generation of like, say, let's say the last 50 years or so, we've all had some kind of screwed up perception of eating purely because... You know, we've been told, um, we've been given flawed advice. We haven't been able to trust our intuition and and become an expert in in ourselves. We just haven't had that permission because we've been told, you know, you need to limit your calories to this amount. You need to just eat from this food group and don't trust when you get hungry. Just push through that. Have a fizzy drink to to fill you up. And, um, you know, we've just...
1: Hours to keep your metabolism up, you know.
0: Otherwise, yeah, that was my first fear when I started fasting. I was like, Oh my god, my metabolism's gonna, you know, turn into a snail. What's gonna happen just because of all this like bullshit, complete bullshit fuckery? Sorry, but I think we're saying the F word in this interview because this is really (laughs)
1: gross. Yeah, I know. And it's just, you're like, most people are walking around with disordered thoughts around food because what we know as conventional wisdom is Mm. disordered. And it's such a shame that now actually being intuitive and listening to your body is seen as disordered because it's not conventional. And that's something I am just really passionate. Like a lot of my anger has softened. I know it probably Mm. might not sound like that when I start telling the story, but like if I talk about it now, I go, look, it is what it is. And I learned a lot from it, but I, I just think it's so important that we get back to that intuitive place and that we don't let anyone tell us otherwise if we're listening to our bodies because... It's just, you know, who is is anyone else to tell you what works for you, honestly, at the end of the day?
0: Yeah, I know. I know what you mean, but it does take a lot of courage to Mm. just follow what your body is saying. Because what if your body starts saying, you know, I know it doesn't actually if you really tune in, but if your body's saying, I need more Tim Tams and chocolate milkshakes, (laughs) And, yeah, that's and actually, of wine. That's a you know like it, yeah. it doesn't though we fear that that's what it's going to say but like you like you said and in your experience you're like i actually crave some salmon i'm actually craving avocado um, but yeah. you know for years we we you know we've avoided those because they were too high in fat <laughs> yeah oh it's also screwed anyway sorry so a slight like segue there right. let's get back to your story that's Okay. i'm loving it i'm okay. on the of my seat Oh, I love you, (laughs) Helen. Um, So then I skipped
1: forward and um, by the time in my first year of uni, I was weaned off all medication, um, which was really exciting. And so it was kind of that that led me to study nutrition. And I was passionate and interested in cooking and nutrition before I was 14. Like I wanted to work in that sort of field from about the age of 10 or 11. Um, but I decided I definitely want, at first I thought I wanted to study naturopathy. Um, and then in year 12, I was like, do you know what? Herbs? Sure. Like I, I love all that stuff and I'm interested, but I just want to master food. I think I want that to be my area. So, um, I started in 2015. So I graduated at the end of 2014. So first year out of school, I study, I enrolled to study, um, a bachelor of health science, majoring in nutritional and dietetic medicine. Um, so that was, you know, very aligned. And then in my second year of uni, I just decided I wanted to become a yoga teacher. And that was, I mean, I loved yoga, but that came very out of the blue, but that was one of the best decisions I ever, ever made. And then in my third year of uni, my best friend was in my kitchen and I think we were eating together and she just said, you need to write a book. Hmm. And, um, I was like, oh. and honestly, my first reaction was, look, would love to, but like, what would be my point of difference? Like the health section is so bloated. What am I going to write about? I'm a downward dogging yoga, teaching green smoothie, loving cliche. Like I, I am like, I'm very real about it, but I mean on paper, you know, the vegan personal ad really writes itself and I'm, I'll be damned if I just reproduce something that's already out there. Like the world doesn't need more of the same um, sort of thing. And she's like, well, just find a point of difference and start writing. You need to do this. And I, it, she wasn't the first person to tell me I should write a book. Um, so I thought, well, maybe I'll just play around with things. And it took me ages to, like I wrote and I wrote and I wrote for about a year and I refined things and I, before I really got clear on what I wanted. And that was when, um, the title periods, to and a glorious, you came to me and I'm like, ah, there we go. Mm-hmm. That's the energy we need. And I had a few, cha- like I'd written 61 chapters and realized wow. that was way too many. Um, you want to but share but everything
0: with the world, right? I totally get it. You're like, I
1: did. I want
0: to tell you everything, really, everything, but really it's just way too much information everyone gets overwhelmed.
1: <laughs> Literally. And I was getting overwhelmed myself. So I, <laughs> but I had a few favorite chapters, like ones that were really funny and that I was like, Oh, this is gold. I love this and I thought, I don't want to have favorite chapters. I want all the chapters to be loved equally. So I went, all right, how can I do that? How can I keep the bits that I love? Um, and then make, like choose the best, most important points, still trying to give people as much information, but just with less words and a bit more concrete, but have that same energy about all of them. Um, and once I stepped into that, I wrote the book in a bit like I had bits and pieces already done, but most of it came together in a month or two um, before sending it to the publishers. And at the end of the day, like the little, the way I sort of describe my book is it's like the marriage of health and humour. It's um, part autobiography, part recipe book, part health information, but all the health information is told through cartoons and analogies and anecdotes and jokes. And it's just because health, there is a serious side to it, but I think it's just become so dogmatic and we follow trends or we someone goes, oh, this makes me feel amazing. I'm going to tell everyone about it. And everyone's so desperate to feel amazing that they jump on a bandwagon, don't listen to their bodies. And so they hand their power over to someone else or just everything is so scientific and there's no playfulness or fun left in it. And your whole life just becomes... Health and it's all fear based. It's about, oh my God, I'm scared of this, I'm scared of that, I must do this, I must do this at this time. And it's kind of a book written to just help you laugh your way back to health and poop your way back to health. Like at the end of the day, if you're having a euphoric bowel movement every day, you have something to be grateful for and you're probably doing okay. So, yeah, that's in a nutshell. I could probably go on a lot more different avenues, but that's kind of how I got to where I am today.
0: I love it. I love it. And you know, from somebody myself who has had chronic constipation through my years of conventional wisdom eating, um, I, mm. I do not take every, every time, every day uh, when I have a beautiful poo, which is most days, thank goodness. Yeah. I, yeah. um, I really do have poo for you because I'm like, seriously, there's nothing better than having a good night's sleep and waking up and having a good poo. Like really? no. Those And then eating good food and then feeling amazing. Like all of these things that are just like a human rights, you know, we're born to feel this good, but most of us, and you know, it's through no fault of our own, but most of us end up getting completely desensitized. We just end up in a whole world of pain, taking loads of medication to get rid of the pain, more medication to help with other um, side effects of the other medication. And life just becomes this horrible like, both you and I have been there. It's just awful. And then when you pop out on the other side, it's just, like, it's incredible and so freaking inspiring to hear where you were at and being on all of those 27 medications and then coming off them and then reclaiming your health and going and writing a book. Like, it's just so amazing. Like it makes me excited. i like, oh, I've got loads of energies talking to you, you know, like it's oh. really great. So what I want to know, I know that you, um, are really keen about helping people optimize their happiness by nourishing all corners of their life. So what does that look like from the way that you share your information?
1: Um, well, I, I've learnt over the years. I think I used to, when I first started sharing information when I was like in high school, and then first year or so of uni. I I think I still came from a bit more of that cliched place, and I was I was still going through, I suppose, um, an a phase of my life where I was still fearful, and I was I very much came from like, oh, that will destroy my garden. Oh my god, chemicals, and oh, I have to be clean. You know, and it was I was doing good. For things for myself but not with the right energy so I've learned over time that first and foremost things have to be fun and they have to be non-judgmental and we just start where we're at because it doesn't matter how clean you eat or how many chemicals you avoid or how much meditation you do if you do something with stress or out of fear or you know you have that it's just not as, it's just not as therapeutic, so I always try and make things lighthearted, non-judgmental, and playful, and let's put lots of jokes in. And at the end of the day, like let's bring it back to poo. Like mm-hmm. let's just—I feel like you just get that because the thing is, if you're doing a good, healthy poo every day, then things can't be that bad, surely. Um, like a, I mean, like a good, you know, you have that putphoria. Um And on top of that, I suppose getting the energy right. Like I'm also at the moment um, studying to be a spiritual healer as well. Mm. And um, because I've come back to my intuition, like we all have intuition, psychics and mediums, they're not, um, I mean, we're all special, but no one's special. Like we all have the ability to do that. It's just like you said, so much, so many of us are, on heaps of medications, and we're disempowered, and so we lose the ability to connect to that higher state of consciousness. And I feel really lucky that I've been able to get back there, so I can do readings now and pick up pick up information for people and do energy healings. And I feel like that's another part of it as well, because so many people just are stressed and they don't even realize, and they need to just feel that nurtured energy, that calm go back to that space and that's where they can actually get back in touch with themselves. And then from there they can start to make decisions that work better for them. And I think maybe before I only understood the physical side of things. Yeah. Um, but well, although I suppose I have to say I guess the mindset side of things did have to come into play first for me because there was still that space of time where I had to decide to live, I don't want to say positive in that, like ignoring the negative, pretending it's not there because that just suppresses things. But there was that time where I wasn't able to choose choose my food and Mm. I was being told I had an eating disorder and I had to decide, I had to to be strong and I had to find other areas of my life to look forward to, um, to get me through until I could get to a stage where I could start nourishing myself again. Um, And so I suppose even then, like just, choosing to trust that it, this wasn't the end and it was going to get better and it's going to be okay and I'll just do my best every day. So there's that There's that level I think too of even when you feel like you can't make the physical changes, having the attitude that is empowered. Mm. I don't know if I've just missed words. and like, No, no, Can no. Can
0: and, you know, yeah, like, even though your intuition is obviously a, a lot stronger now, even when you were mm. sharing your story, you said that you had an inkling that food might mm. be the answer. And it, you know, it was similar to me. I was like, I just need to go gluten free. and like, Oh, where's that come from? Like, I didn't think that that just kind of like came yeah. through me. And it's really interesting yeah. because um, it does start with like a physical uh, transformation. You get better, you know, you feel better, yeah. but then your spiritual side really, it's almost like you kind of like tuned in to so like, you just never feel disconnected. And then when you can really, I guess, first of all, get permission to believe that we're all psychic, we're all guided. The universe is matching our frequency and our thoughts and our feelings. Well, not, not so much thoughts, but feelings, matching our feelings all the time. When you start to believe that, um, that's when the magic starts to happen, when you realize that everything you need is inside of you. You don't need to go outside for the answers, but it's it's sort of weird to believe it because um it's sort of it's getting more and more mainstream and it's definitely the norm in our little bubble but um yeah. I know I know that I was really scared about talking about the spiritual side of things because I thought oh, I'm gonna put people off you know they're gonna think
1: yeah he's away yeah. with
0: the fairies, she's woo woo you know that kind of thing but really I believe that this is yeah. what this is like this you know high you know remembering returning back to ourselves and returning back to love and higher consciousness is the next step of evolution for us as a species Sorry, thank God, you know, and yeah. I think that 's why these these transformations that we're we're going through um are serving serving the planet so much so i I find it really interesting that you're that that 's what 's happened for you as well it 's almost like inevitable like once you you know, you kind of have a bit of a spiritual epiphany once all of that, all those layers of bleh are, mm. are removed, you know. So can I ask you a really personal question? We can delete this bit out if you don't want to answer it. But
1: oh, No, I'm I, I I'm open to anything, honestly.
0: I don't <laughs> no. really have any secrets. It's, it's fine. Me either. I'm just getting all out. So when you were going through your health crisis, what were your periods and poo like then?
1: Well, I've never had a period, um, because at that, that age when, you know, those things are going to start to kick in, my body just was in survival mode and just, you know, like really reproduction was not really a good idea at that Mm -hmm. time. So I don't think, I think my body was like, really, do we need that? Probably not. Mm -hmm. And I was probably, you know, I didn't absorb anything. So they probably didn't want to be losing all that iron every month. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I am so much better now and I'm in remission, touch all the wood, thank all the fucks. Mm -hmm. Um, But I still like my, I had 98% liver damage. So I'm still now um, coming back from full on cirrhosis and that, I mean, if you're going to get an autoimmune disease, you know, get one of the liver because it can regenerate if you're lucky. Mm -hmm. Um, But it does take time. So I last scan I had, I still had, I had moderate fibrosis, which is a lot better than cirrhosis, but it's still not what you would have, what the lay person would have. Um, And I'm having another scan in August this year. So I'm hoping that it will have regressed further. Um, But I kind of just have this intuitive feeling that I'm not going to cycle until my liver is a hundred percent healthy because that, like if I were to get pregnant until my liver is a hundred percent healthy, my placenta, I'm going to detox into it. My, my body's going to be like, Oh beauty. Let's just stumble the toxins mm. in here. Cause that's going to be gone in nine months. And my baby doesn't need that. So, um, I've never had a period. So, um, yes, but, uh, poo during that time <laughs> was very tardy to most parties. Um, wasn't like to the point where I've actually got a chapter in my book called um, "Bow Cleansing Chicken Madras. And it's a story about this one curry that my mum would make. And when she'd make it, I'd actually get up the next morning and do it an, despite like everything else that was going on. And I'd do a normal, healthy, number four, bupforic turd like a normal human. And I remember once um, just crying because I thought that she'd given the leftovers to my stepdad. And I was like, Oh my god, he doesn't even freaking need the curry. I need the curry and I'm not gonna poop mm-hmm. for a week again. Mm-hmm. And then apparently it was it was in the fridge. I just hadn't seen it the first time round. But like, um, that was how desperate I was to the point where like I, yeah, I reliant just
0: reliant on a curry for a poo. For a poo. Like, yeah, wow.
1: Yeah. Yeah, literally. And Look it was how far just, you've come. I know. Me and my bowels, we're we're happy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. Um,
1: but yeah. So let's Have a good
0: time. let's dive into my one my one of my other um, mandatory questions is mm-hmm. um, you've t- told us a little bit about your your real food eating but um, what are your opinions on the three kind of like grey areas that really get people <laughs> really dogmatic and really stressed out and really fearful and really overwhelmed like all of the things like we're trying to avoid but um, what are your your personal thoughts um, as a nutritionist on chocolate, alcohol, and coffee?
1: Oh, okay. Chocolate. Well, raw cacao in itself, like the cacao bean is super nutritious. It's one of our best sources of magnesium. It's got a whole lot of other minerals. It's, it is euphoric. Like there is a reason we crave it. It is, it's like a, a love food and a happiness food. And it really does invigorate us. It's just when we add You know, milk powder and refined white sugar and genetically modified soy emulsifiers, and that it kind of loses its health status a bit. Um, But you know, either adding the raw cacao like to your smoothies or making bliss balls, or I've got recipes for um, bitch please patty cakes, which are like chocolate cupcakes, or um, oh, what's the other one? I always forget the title. The but yeah, seductive chocolate food pudding, which is like a that sounds good. Oh, it's amazing. It's like super high in fiber and just very cleansing for the digestive tract at the same time. That's awesome. It's just, um, yeah, like the, the cheaper, more commercial preparations aren't the best. But I mean, every so often, if they really make you happy and they're a treat and they you know, on an energetic level that they just make you feel so fulfilled, then, you know, um, you can do it without feeling super sick and you can still get up and do a good poo the next day because your body's that resilient because your body is glorious, all good. But, um, yeah, for the most part, chocolate, I'd say have, you can have it every day. If you want to just make sure it's the pure form. Mm. Um, so that's chocolate alcohol. Look, I don't drink, but you know, I'm a like, liver. Like I just, mm. I'd be mad to, um, yeah. look, It is a toxin and it's, but you know, I also, I have to say I, with that, I also understand the fact that I've only had about two or so drinks in my lifetime. And so I've never had that relationship where I've been dependent on alcohol, where I've seen it as a treat, where I've had any sort of positive relationship really with it. Um, So I can't really speak from that space and I don't want to get too biased and into the whole fear-based thing. But I would say in general our culture in Australia is too pro-alcohol to the point where we feel like we can't socialise without it and maybe we rely on it as a bit of a crux at the end of the day instead of maybe like a bubble bath or a yoga class or just, you know, a good hug with our nearest and dearest or Mm -hmm. anything like that, a good book. Hashtag periods, Cool and a glorious you, if you're looking for one. <laughs> um, so. But um, yeah, if you're going to have it, just be aware that your liver works so hard for you and in detoxing, just everything in your life, be it your emotions, your hormones, everything inside and outside. So just like maybe moderate your intake. Maybe you don't have it every day maybe get clear on why you have it. Um, get into the habit of maybe just having it socially, not having it by yourself, ha- coming up with alternatives like trying kombucha. Um, I don't want to say it's bad. Like I don't ever want to use the terms bad or good, but just being aware that it's not the most, um, there, it's not really, it's not nutritious basically. So if you're having it, it's not really going to enhance anything other than maybe your mood for a little bit. So just be mindful of why you have it and how much you have it and just, get back to that intuition and coffee is an interesting one because you know there are pros and cons and I think it depends on on the person and the circumstances if you get to the point where you're addicted and you can't function without coffee it's not really good to be dependent like that on anything but um you know it's also it does help deliver the detox if um, we're talking like good organic coffee not just you know your instant supermarket brands but um and it can speed up the metabolism and it can actually boost your energy if you have it in the morning. Just on the other side, it does raise your cortisol level. So if you're already highly strung or have chronic stress, it's probably not going to help. It's going to add to that. And if you have it too close to bed and it disrupts your sleep, I mean, anything that disrupts your sleep is not good. Again, light like chocolate, what are you adding? Are you having a black coffee with a bit of, you know, coconut milk or cashew milk, or are you having? just supermarket brand cow's milk with white sugar. Like, again, it's also not the coffee itself, but what we're adding to the coffee. Um, And, again, I think it comes back to intuition. If your coffee is a ritual and you have a, a really good quality and you enjoy it and you're not dependent on it, it's just like, oh, I enjoy it for the sensual experience, then ACES, if it's used as a drug and a dependent, then, again, like maybe just really sitting with yourself and deciding... Where that came from, and if is there something else I could use to give me that same feeling that I don't need to become dependent on,
0: if that mm. makes sense? Yeah, absolutely does. So your your lovely, light-hearted, marrying humour and health approach is is really refreshing. It's exactly what the world needs. But let's face mm. it, there's a lot of people out there um, that are feeling completely overwhelmed. They might start off really mm. good on on the new plan or a new way of eating or way of life um but then just get so overwhelmed and confused and end up just going back to what they were doing before even though they know that's not serving them and then it's just this whole like stress blur feeling what would you say to people who are feeling that disempowerment and feeling overwhelmed and fearful Uh,
1: that is a really good question just you know without sounding like a cliche every day is a new day. Every meal is another meal. So just dust yourself off and start again. And it doesn't have to be overwhelming. And maybe the, what you were doing was too intense. Like maybe instead of just going onto real food, you tried going gluten-free and sugar-free or keto or paleo or, and you were just doing it because I don't know, maybe you thought it might be a good idea. Like I can't help tell you how many times people have said, oh, I've gone paleo or I've gone vegan or I've gone keto just because I want to lose weight and I've heard that's really good or my friend is doing it. And um, so I, I think just before you change anything, sit with your why. Like why are you doing something and what didn't you like about it? Why did you fall off? And what habits are the hardest ones to break? How can you... Like is it you know? Is there something else you could do when you have that feeling? Because a lot of the time, if we, you know, a lot of people call it falling off the bandwagon. I don't feel the need to assign any sort of label to that. What, whatever happens, you do something that, in your own mind, you think is you label as bad or not good, or what did I do? Oh, fuck this up! You know, whatever language you do, um, just you know, getting clear. Why, like what happened? Why did you? Why did you do that? and be really honest with yourself, sit down, either just talk to yourself in your head or out loud in front of the mirror or get a pen and paper and just write down and then write how you want to feel and then write down the lists of the, if we're talking about food, the foods that you know help you get there. And I'm talking about real foods. So like your fruits, veggies, nuts, seeds, legumes, good quality animal products, if that feels aligned with you, herbs, spices, that sort of thing. And you just go, okay, like for example, me at 14, I don't know, but salmon just makes me feel so nourished. Avocado, just I can feel myself relaxed when I have it. Apples make me feel so clean inside and I love that feeling. And so then you just, and then you look at that list or you remind yourself of those things. And so it doesn't have to be restrictive. It's not about what am I not allowed to have? It's like what do I want to feel and what foods energetically make me feel like that? And then also making sure it's not all about food, maybe maybe sometimes the reason we go backwards or like whatever we we do is because we're making it all about food and there aren't other things in our lives on top of that. Like it's not just about, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a food nerd and I love food and it's incredible and we're so lucky to have it here to nourish us. But if you're not also, you know, moving your body and you're not happy and you're not just having time to laugh and be grateful for things and you have just space to enjoy your life it's not always filled with doing you can just be then it's gonna that's gonna make it harder so I think it's about at the same time as changing your approach to the way you eat also changing your approach to the way you live it's not just about the food and I think maybe sometimes we make it too much about the food and also like we come up with rules that don't apply for us like we think we have to go gluten free when really we just need to go wheat free because wheat is the one that is sprayed with all the, the, the Roundup. Spelt isn't, corjan isn't, rye isn't, you know what I mean? So, mm. And maybe that's why we fell off because we just wanted avocado on toast and we didn't want the crappy, cheap, gluten free bread that's still full of soy flour and corn flour and made with canola oil. Mm. So then we were deprived, deprived of toast, and so, you know what I mean? Not, but your breads, Helen, are lovely. <laughs> so that was not, you know,
0: like a creative primal alternative. So we could have avocado on toast. Exactly.
1: <laughs> it, well, of course. Cause I mean, that's a euphoric pleasure. And I think, oh yeah, goodness, like sometimes yes. if, yeah, if you can't have that crunch and that creaminess mm. and you know, like there is that level of, it gets to the point sometimes where we're so into the clean eating or the, I have to do this. And this is what this book said that, we actually aren't enjoying things anymore or we're feeling deprived. And then there's that bit of emptiness because life is here to, you know, to be enjoyed and to be lived. We're lucky to have it and food's incredible and we need to find a way to make every experience with food positive rather than negative or de- dep- deprivational or rules-based. It's yes. like I choose to do this. not I can't do that. I choose to do this because it makes mm. me feel good. Not I can't have that because it's bad. It's yeah. just like I'd rather
0: not. I could yeah. have that, sure. I Is could that, have like, that, but problem. I choose not to because I yeah. feel better when I have that. Yeah, that's a definitely yeah. different space to come from, isn't it? Then all oh, that's, um, I know like some uh, diets that I've tried, things are on a sin, they're sins, or they're on the, like, the banned list of foods to avoid. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, yes, absolutely. It's horrible. Like, can humans, I just, humans just don't deal deprivation, you know? They're like, if you say you can't have something, it's all you can think about.
1: Mm, yeah. And can I just say I know that if anyone's been following me for a while and they've listened to interviews I did and as I, as an 18 year old or a 19 year old I do I am aware that I did not sound as open minded um as I do now back then and I was still more in that fear based and sugar's bad and gluten is the devil and I have a come back from there okay. so just you, you know as a disclaimer if they like god she's contradicting herself um I've I've learned a lot I've grown up and evolved and um yes I just yeah. wanted to say that
0: <laughs> no, that's good that's good it's good to clarify and you know like we, we're all on a journey and we all evolve um the way that we go you know and that's okay nothing stays the same forever if you know if there's anything that's more uh, certain it's change. like because otherwise you would just be stuck and that's not that's not cool so yeah no but that's good that you acknowledge that now where can we get our hands on your fabulous book
1: Um, So at the moment, my website, uh, so www.realsoupfortherealsoul.com. So you can just get it from my shop there. And um, if you're in Adelaide, at the moment, it's available at Dimmick's in Glenelg and Rundle Mall and at the Organic Store and Cafe. Um, Eventually, it will be a bit more national stores. It's just it's only come out in the last few months and it takes a little bit to get into catalogues. Um, you can get it off the publisher's website, um, animaldreamingpublishing.com, but to be cheeky, I'd rather you get it from me because then I get a little bit more money. Um, uh, where funny. else? Uh, that's it for now, but, like, that list will be will be updated, but it will always first and foremost be on my site, so that's probably your best bet.
0: So realsoupfortherealsoul.com.au? Yes perfect awesome and uh, is there an opportunity that we can work with you as a nutritionist
1: um yeah sure like I honestly I'm not even though I'm trained as a clinical nutritionist it's not my vibe um I don't really feel called to like do testing and make it really serious and nerdy and clinical and scientific um respect that there's a place for that but I love more to work in that coaching role and getting your relationship with food really empowered, helping you tap back into your intuition. Um, so it's more of like that nurturing, let's just have a chat and get you clear. And then I can offer bits of bits and pieces that are a bit more nerdy um, to, in and amongst that, but it's a lot more if you don't really want it to be serious and fear-based and clinical and you want it to be a bit more empowering and just You stepping back into the driver's seat and having someone just gently nurturing in the behind the scenes, holding your hand rather than telling you what to do. That's sort of my vibe. And um, I'm happy to do that. If you're in Adelaide, we can catch up in person um, or we can always do like Zoom or Skype or a phone call if you're interstate. Um, So I've already started doing that. and And then I also do like healings and readings and I'm always available for yoga classes as well.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Rachel. I'm going to continue to follow you and watch your journey and hopefully I'll get um, my hands on a copy of your book as well one day, which would be great. Oh, I hope so. I'll sign it for you if you like. a (laughs) signed copy? Yes, please. That sounds awesome. (laughs) Sounds awesome. So until we catch up next time, Rachel, thanks so much for being on the show today.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Helen. This has been a great chat. Thank you.
0: The 2019 Wellness Summit is almost here. I love being at these events. They're always such a great, positive environment. And it's been really great to um, listen to like-minded people and to um, meet a few people, actually. I've been to every summit and I've been to every one and I'll always keep coming. It's always inspiring. It's been real eye-opener. We're actually signed up to go to the breakthrough now. It's very motivating. I think it's great to listen to people who are inspired. There's always something to learn and something to take away. I think uh, for myself and giving myself that um, opportunity to, to learn. There's so much going on in life and everything that you can get distracted and forget the things that you should be doing. and This always reminds you to get back on track and, and um, to focus on the things that are important and holistic health. Just do it, yeah. Just yeah, suck it up and do it. It's, uh, it could be life-changing, yeah. I would say it's awesome and it's the start of changing your life. Come along, see what it's about and enjoy it. It's an amazing event with like-minded, positive people and you can't help but um, walk away feeling great. Positive Mentor presents the 2019 Wellness Summit, August 17 and 18 in Melbourne. Can you afford to miss out? Tickets at thewellnesssummit.com.